This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A very good evening to everyone. I hope you're all right and uh, sitting back and enjoying what was a fantastic Derby Day victory over the over West Brom at the weekend. We've got so much to talk about, haven't we? It's a fixture that we've waited for for so long and there's already over 100 of you tuning in live. So please, thank you uh, for tuning in. Obviously, we've gone with a Monday night because it was such a, a lot to get through yesterday. And so we're really grateful for you all joining us, whether you're watching us live on YouTube, listening to it back on the catch-up or listening back on the Always Wolves podcast. We have got six Wolves fans and pundits uh, joining us tonight uh, to chew the fat. And we do hope that you in the chat uh, can join in with your opinions and thoughts as well. And I do want to say, before we get started, of course, I want to say an absolutely massive thank you once again uh, to the wonderful people over at Creation Wolf uh, for powering extra time. It's much appreciated um, that they support the channel. I know they're helping now a couple of local companies um, and who run Wolves fans, companies that actually uh, Wolves fans that are running companies with their digital uh, solution as well. So it's great to see that they're also helping in the Wolves community and the Wolves business community out there as well. Right, we're going to get stuck in. We're going to talk about so much. But first of all, the first I can tell you tonight on the panel, we have Sooty. We have the Lord himself. He's finally back, Mr. Jason Guy. We've got Kashmir joining us after a bit of a, a sabbatical. We've got the voice of reason, who's got a bit of a cold, Jack. We've got Lucas, and we've also got Chelsea, uh, by popular demand, making a return appearance. But the first half of the show tonight, we do have the Lord himself. Good evening. Dave, how are you, my friend? I'm all right, mate. Listen, um, I was just saying backstage um, before we get on to this, you do a lot of fundraising, mate. Uh, you work damn hard. You put on a lot of events and you try and raise things for charities that are very close to you. Your young daughter, Lydia, has been really, really poorly in hospital. And, um, you know, we've all been feeling for her. And we, Thank you. Know, you. She's, she's at home now, isn't she? And um, 
Yeah. How are you? How are you? How are you and the family holding up? And what's the prognosis for Lydia before we get started into anything else? Yeah, uh, look, she's doing really good. So as you know, she's got a genetic condition. And when she gets um, a bug, we can fight it. Her immune system is quite suppressed and can be quite low. So when she gets something, whereas our immune system fights it and it's gone within a, you know, a few days with Olivia, it can take a few weeks. And she was hospitalised, bless her. Then she went into an induced coma in Birmingham Children's Hospital while I was trying to get on top of it because she was too weak to fight it. But... That's why we call her the Warrior Princess. She's so strong and she was in hospital for nearly a month and we had Christmas Day on Ward A22 at New Cross. But do you know what? It's not what you do, Dave. It's who you is. So we still had a lovely Christmas. Amy done Christmas dinner on the ward. Microwave ping. I saw that. Olivia's that was lovely, mate. Yeah, yeah. Olivia's better. That's the main thing. And uh, yeah, thank you to everybody for their well wishes. Thank you, Dave, for your kind comments as well because it really means a lot. And when you say about fundraising... I was quite lucky yesterday. I managed to raise 12 pence because I had a 10 pence through it being a two pence. Mate, fantastic. <laughs> you always managed to put a smile on everything, mate. And uh, we we are so glad that Olivia's at home and well with you. We do wish wish her and yourself all the best. Thank and you. we will continue to support your uh, what you do with uh, your fundraising here on the channel. Uh, mate. Thank you. And I'm glad that you got 12 pounds off the uh, off them lockdown, the uh, 12 pence. Dave, I wish you got 12, yeah, it was 12 pence. <laughs> 12 pence of them locked down the road. 10 pence. See, that, see that one girl? See the picture of the one girl? She had two handfuls of cash. She had about 15 I know, quid. She did, mate. It was crazy. Right, Brilliant. next up, joining the first half of the show today, we have the lovely Chelsea. How are you, mate? Hello, everybody. <laughs> you okay, mate? I'm good, thank you. How are you, Dave? Fantastic. Now you would have uh, you'd have watched the game on the box yesterday as well. Yes. Yeah, it was so really you'll, you'll have that suspect. Where did you watch yours, Jason? Was you there? Yeah, yeah, of course I was. Yeah, I was there. You were there. Yeah, I thought I thought I thought I saw that you were there. And Chelsea, um, you know, you've um you've become quite a bit of a, a little bit of a, a legend in your school, haven't you? <laughs> legend a bit of a strike. But um no, it's been really nice for the kids to kind of watch it and it's nice to see that you do something outside of school as well and I think it kind of makes good relationships with them and it's always a bit of a good joke when people ask you were you on the video yesterday and you go yes I was. That's fantastic mate well that's absolutely brilliant um, and it's great and, and your school is again? Kingsmead School. So hi to hi to all the pupils at Kingsmead School. And joining us at uh, the first half of the show uh, tonight it is the voice of reason himself. We've still not got him that T-shirt, but it will come sometime this year for definite. And I know he'll wear it. Um, Jack, you've got a bit of a cold. I uh, saw you before yeah. the game yesterday. Um, you wouldn't have missed that for the world, would you, mate? No, no. And I felt absolutely fine yesterday. So I reckon it was all the excitement and nerves. It was just suppressing it. And I got home yesterday and it just hit me. And I, yeah, But yeah. So really good to to be there yesterday to witness obviously the ending of a of a hoodoo and everything. So um, you know, one of those great days to be a Wolves fan, I suppose. Absolutely, mate. And um, I mean, it, it was a great day to be there, and it was a great victory. And we will come on to talking about everything and stuff like that. There's loads of well wishes there for uh, Olivia you. as well. Fantastic and. 
you know, which is uh, which is really nice to see. As I say, we've got the community here and they're all behind you and they're all saying hello to you guys as well. Now, the way we're going to do it tonight, guys, we've got two panels, okay? And normally what we have been doing is we've done the quiz at the end of the first half and the quiz at the end of the second half. Today, we're not going to do that. We're doing the quiz at the end of the entire show. So hopefully we'll have the... Uh, some of you guys that will be able to stay back from the first half of the show and join in with the the end, so we can do it all in one go at the end. I know that um, I know that Jack, you've definitely got to run off because he's not very well. So we're going to start with you, Jack, um, on the uh, on the game <clears throat> at the weekend. Um, talk us through your um, your build up to the day, uh, the day itself, and how you were feeling throughout the game as it progressed? Yeah, so, I mean, <clears throat> we were kind of discussing this a couple of mates earlier, you know, it, it, it's a really strange one because you you, you, it, you look forward to the derby, but you can't enjoy it sometimes because there's that much nerves and, and tension and you kind of, I just hope this doesn't go wrong. And, and you so, it, it, you know, we, we kind of all, there's 12 of us went from my house, we all sort of parked there and got jumped in taxis from, from Wensbury to West Brom. So I was telling you, the other day when I, I live about a mile close to the believe that you, to the Molyneux, so it, yeah, you can't see me, but me and yeah. Jack obviously I talked to all the guys on WhatsApp and everything, and Jack sent me a, a map of where his house is, and it's literally in the middle between the Hawthorns and Molyneux. It's crazy. Yeah. So yeah, so I'm I'm in sort of prime sort of tribal guttural Wolves West Brom territory, you know. So it's been been a, a nice build up actually. I mean, it, it's quite interesting. I don't know. if obviously yourself and Jason and Chelsea felt the same, but the West Brom fans in the build-up haven't been as chirpy as usual. And I think they kind of realised that this might be the one where we actually do them, you know, because we are better than them. And I think ultimately we kind of showed that yesterday, didn't we? So, um, but yeah, no, we got there and, and obviously it was really early kickoff and, um, <clears throat> you know, so, you know, didn't quite have time to have a, a proper pre-match build-up. Um, and, and it was almost straight into it really, wasn't it? And then, um, I thought the game itself. I, I thought, I thought we were comfortable. You know, I thought we, it was a very similar game plan to to Brighton, wasn't it? We'll sit and we'll we'll defend fairly deep. We won't sort of commit loads of players forward. We'll we'll let them have the ball in the middle and, and they can pass it around. They won't get near our box. You know, Saar won't have a lot to do because we'll defend the box really well and we'll hit them on the break. And against Brighton, we did we created two or three good chances and missed them. Yesterday, we created two or three and we scored two. And that was the difference, really, wasn't it? You know, I, I feel like we had two or three gears to go up to if we needed to. Had they got a goal back or gone in front or something like that or equalised at some point, we could have stepped up again. But um, I think what Gary O'Neill said pre-match was, was spot on. You've got to understand the derby tactically, but also emotionally. And I think, actually, we kind of mastered both of those sort of crafts, really. And that was what made the difference. We weren't dragged into a proper scrap on the pitch, you know, and the players kept really calm. And that made a massive difference because when, when they had those little spells, we were able to suck it up. And then, like you say, some on the break, I thought the goals came at really good times as well, just to kind of really puncture the crowd and, and deflate them. And, and like I said, I thought it was a really comfortable, professional result. It's the kind of result when you watch the FA Cup and you see those Premier League teams go away to the Championship teams and win really comfortably. You go, why can't that be us? But yesterday it was us. And the fact that it was a local derby as well just makes it a little bit more special. It made it really special. Now, Chelsea, I think you were watching. Were you, where were you watching it? Were you watching it with the family at home? Yeah, we were, yeah, watching at home with the family, yeah. 
So, I mean, you've heard what Jack says. Obviously, we're, you know, myself, Jack and Jason, we're all watching it from within the fan base in the stands at various points in the uh, in the Smethic end. You had the opportunity to watch it live on the uh, the TV. It's still just as stressful, I would imagine. Mm. Um, talk me uh, through how you felt the uh, the game started. What was your your gut feeling with how it started? Could you you know get a, a could you get an idea of the atmosphere watching it on the box? Absolutely, I think even the build up because it started. The game began so early. The excitement of the whole day started from as soon as you woke up, whether that be 8 or 9am. And even though we were watching it from home, you could feel how important it was to both clubs. You could feel the derby, even if you weren't there. And when the players walked out to the liquidator and they were both fighting over the chanting at the end, it was one of the best experiences just watching on TV. So I couldn't imagine what it was like being there, but you could feel the passion right there. But um, for how the game started... I think you can kind of look in two ways. One way is that Wolves were a bit lacklustre because of the time of the game. And I think they started a bit slower and West Brom were a bit faster. But on the other hand, now that I look back on reflection, I think it was Wolves choosing to be a bit more practical and take the emotion out of the game a little bit, where West Brom were focusing on that passion and getting those tackles in. And I think in the long run, I think that served Wolves really well. And I agree, we scored our goals at the right time. And I think it was a very professional performance because that game could have gone either way. It could have been a game of so many yellow cards, red cards, and it could have just been mayhem. But on the pitch, I think Wolves handled it like a Premier League side and treated it as they were the better team technically. And they deserved the win. And I was very proud of how they managed the game in the end, because they used the passion to their advantage, whereas West Brom were a little bit, a bit more over the top, I'd say, at the start, which could have caused them some problems. i tell you what, how you've described that has given mm. me goosebumps, because that's really, really well summarised, Jason. What do you think of that? I mean, did you, how Chelsea's put that across there? Listen, <laughs> Chelsea always speaks very well, and, you know, Echo, um, Chelsea's comments with it all. I think it was quite um, in the stand yesterday, there was, you could feel it. There was a bit of trepidation before kickoff, and then when we kicked off as well. And I think what helped yesterday, we know we've got a much better side than them. That's evident. You know, just league standings alone tells you that we're a league above, and we look that. But it's a derby, and all that goes out the window. And I think what helped was the fact that we had an English manager, and I think that perhaps. Um, was a bit more of a calming influence, especially on some of the players out there for them that would have been their first derby or certainly the first black country derby. But um, we had a job to do and we did it. It was a bit of a free hit for West Brom days. You know, if they beat us, you know, it's it's obviously their cup final, isn't it? But even if we was to win 1-0, it was almost expected. So I think the pressure was more on Wolves than it was on West Brom. But it was a very professional performance from start to finish. Did we really come out of second gear? Probably not. Like Jack said, though, we had the opportunity to where we could have if we wanted to and, and, and switch things around. We didn't really need to. We did have strong enough players out there. West Brom didn't really trouble us too much, but we took our chances well and it was a good win. I think you're absolutely right. The one great thing about it as well for me, I mean, I'm just going on what you guys said, I was, yeah, I think... 
we were going, me and Emma, we were driving to the game and it was, you know, waking up and with the night before, it was like Christmas Day almost. It was that bit of excitement yeah. when you're younger and stuff like that because we haven't had one of these for ages. And it was building the, the whole time uh, before the game, walking up. Um, we watch, funnily enough, we watch The Walking Dead. Um, I don't know if any of you have watched that programme. Um, it's a good program, and sometimes they in the Walking Dead. They uh, they cover themselves with entrails of the Walking Dead, and literally, and they walk amongst the zombies. And we were kind of like walking to the ground. You know, we we got all our colours on, but we had over the, our coats over the top. And I said to Emma, I said, it feels like we're walking. <laughs> we're in the Walking Dead, like walking towards the ground, and not being disrespectful to the to the Albion fan. It's just because we were in that load of them all around us and we were kind of two people walking towards the uh the wolves end uh incognito it was quite it was quite surreal that was and then when we got into the ground um all the wolves fans were in there singing their songs and chanting and then walking through into the Orthorns and seeing the whole of the smethic end uh you know gold and black and the stickers and people hold it you know with the quite loads with the signs for his bags and stuff. And then the, the build-up with the music and the adrenaline that was going, it was such an anticipation. And then both teams came out. It was really electric um, and it was great. The atmosphere was great. The banter was fantastic. The singing between the fans was, was brilliant, which is all of what you expect. And then I think like what all of you have said, I thought... The Wolves were very calm in and they played the, the game rather than the occasion, probably a little bit better than Albion. Albion, you know, their team definitely played with a lot of heart. They played for their fans. They had a go at Wolves. They created a, a few overlaps down our left-hand side early doors um, and got a few crosses in. Uh, there was a couple of headers, but Saar was never really troubled at any point. Um, and we kind of seem to be sort of um, dealing with it. I thought, I actually thought that we wasn't as crisp in our passing as we had been in previous games. But Doc <clears throat> sometimes get Matt Do Doherty sometimes gets criticism from the Wolves fans and stuff like that because, like, oh, he's like, like you know, we got him from back for pretty much nothing again. And his anticipation off that corner, oh. how he read it. Yeah. How, it not, how he read it, for one, he read the danger. And this is why he started for me, because he is experienced in, in these type of big games. He read it. He jumped up in the air. He controlled it. Yeah. He took virtually six or seven of the Albion team out of the equation with one move and then played a perfectly weighted pass for Pedro to run onto. And then Pedro Neto does what Pe Pedro Neto does. He's, he's you know, he, to me, Pedro Neto is going to be a world-class, you know, 60, 70, 80 million pound player. And he cuts inside and finishes it well. And that was kind of the game, really. I'm talking to the Albion fan that I had from the Albion Analytics podcast. He was telling me before... On, on, I don't know if you watched it, but he was saying that Albion are very good at home. I think they've only lost two games all season at, at, at the Hawthorns, one of them against Leicester. And he says they, they tend to score a lot of their goals in the first 15 to 20 minutes at the Hawthorns. And when they go a goal up, they don't lose. But when they go a goal behind, he said they're not very good at chasing the game. And I think that's how it kind of panned out, Jack. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think 
we said sort of before the game, the first goal is massive because I think both teams would really like to be one nil up. Albion would like to be one nil up because then they can just sit back and try and just defend what they've got. We'd like to be one nil up because the pace we've got on the break, if we go one nil up against a team from the Championship, we're going to absolutely murder them on the break in the, in, as the game goes on and their defence gets tired. So the first goal was always going to be massive. And I think that's why they started the way they did because they thought our best chance is catching them cold. Wolves that while they grow into the game, if we get them early and get one nil up, we can, can kind of dictate how the game goes. But it stayed nil nil. We defended fairly comfortably, uh, and then we got the first goal. Neto, great time to score. What, sort of ten minutes before half time, just punctures that crowd. Their belief was starting to go, you know. And then, like you say, you can control the game then, because they've got to start pushing out and yeah, be absolutely. a bit more open. And you can then pick your times. You know, I thought Belgard particularly very unsung, but. Did really well in kind of little finding little bits of space and then being able to spring that break to Neto or Cunha or or uh, Semedo. He put himself, he put himself about as well, Bell. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was talking to my friend earlier on the phone about him. He, he looks very awkward because he's got a very strange running style and he, and he kind of he's quite sort of broad shouldered, but he's quick and he and he's strong and he and he can sort of turn really sharply. I think he's a really good player and I think we haven't seen the absolute best of him yet. I still think he's finding his feet in England and in English football. But I think he, he made a real positive impact. I was a bit worried when Sarabia wasn't playing because he was kind of the player I was hoping would make the difference, find a little five-yard pass somewhere or play a little one-two off someone and completely cut out their defence. But I thought Belgard stepped in really, really well. And actually, I'm, I'm thinking back now, I can't think of a Wolves player who had a bad game. No, they, they. I think they all they all put a solid effort in. I mean, yes. from you, from your point of view, I mean, the, the second goal, uh, Chelsea. You know, again, Kilman got an assist. I think their yeah. defender, looking at match of the day and an analysis last night, was looking the other way for a split second, and Kilman at that second hits the ball, and Kuna gets in, and he scores. Um, the goal, and then obviously he's celebrating. He's going, "This house is mine. This is ours." With the badge, which I absolutely loved, and um, he had a chance just after that. He hit it's the second time he got in. He actually hit it better, and the keeper made a really good save, tipped it round the post. But at two 0 we were all saying, in, "I was saying in the ground, we could need the need to get the second. I felt like it was game over the second that goal went in. The... Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
Absolutely. The second goal for me just killed the game because of how hard West Brom had had to really come out after that and that would have left them open. I think, again, we've said they scored at the right times and how Cunha took the goal, his second attempt was actually better. But yeah. how he took the goal, how he took the ball, he anticipated the pass and was able to control it and then pass it into the net. You should be really proud. And I think overall, Cunha, I've been so impressed with the whole Christmas period. Even the Brighton game, you know, it was a game that was a game of tactics, but he really pushed the team forward. And I think Cunha's really stepped up as a leader for that front line. And you can rely on him to do that hard work, but also have that bit of quality that we need. And I think now with Wolves, a couple of years ago, they weren't scoring as many goals, but now with Cunha, with Hang when he's back, We've got some solid players there who are constantly putting in the performances that we need. And when Cunha scored that goal, you could sense whole around the stadium. Even at home, we were really comfortable. And when you could feel the Wolves fans, they were excited. But also you could feel the change in the West Brom attitude of the players, of the team, of the crowd. They knew it was going to be hard for them to come back, which and then eventually led to what was going to happen afterwards. Yeah, absolutely. And Jason, coming on to that, obviously, you know, we're going to lead on to obviously what happened after that. We need, and we have to talk about it. I mean, because it, 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 you know, it's sad that we have to talk about it in this day and age. Uh, what what happened? But like before we get to that, there was bottles being thrown, coins yeah. being thrown. At players, I mean, Tommy Doyle at one point, he's down at the opposite, you know, on the right hand side of where the Wolves fans are. He's about to take a corner. The, bot the bottles come over. I mean, Tommy Doyle is a bit feisty. He loves it, I think, in some ways. He's turning around and going that the badge, you know, and stuff like that, not being intimidated. But like, even like you, you, you saw the bottle, full bottles being thrown. And I'm not sure whether this is confirmed, but I heard that a, a ball boy or a got hit by one of the bottles as well, a young ball boy as well. And whether that's true or not, or whether that's just urban myth, I'm not sure. Um, but Jason, just talk us through how that bubbled up to the game and, you know, your your take on it from within the stadium. Listen, I've been to quite a few uh, derbies, fortunately or unfortunately, most of them. But uh, so to go to West Brom, it's always an intimidating place to go. You know what you're going to get. I didn't really expect to see that level of violence yesterday. Um, but listen, you know, that, that, that the, the positives for me, let's talk about the football. The positives for me were, you know, it, it could have gone either way early doors in as much of if West Brom score, we are really under pressure then. But I think as soon as that goal went in for Wolves, I think that the, the pressure was off almost. So I can't see West Brom coming back into it, at least scoring one and definitely not scoring two. And if you, you talk about the goal, Dave, don't forget that was a West Brom corner that we're defending, oh, whether it was yeah. a good whether it was a good corner or it wasn't a good corner, the way Doherty controlled that took, as you said, three or four players out. Neto made the run. That goal was very similar as well to the one against Luton, going down the right, then cutting in onto his left foot. And it was it was a great finish, great finish. But he still had a lot of work to do. So if you think about it, when Doherty <coughs> plays that ball, I think he might have been just inside our half or just inside their half. Still got a lot of work to do. He's wider out on the right. You know, the West Brom players were chasing him down. And it was a it was a great finish, but that's what we expect from Neto now. We've just got to make sure that obviously he remains fit. Um, and the second goal, once again, Kilman, bearing in mind he's a left-footed centre half, found himself, you know, 
on the right-hand side, played that great ball over the top with his left foot. Great run by Cunha. Um, whether it was a good first touch by him or, or not so good touch, he, he started taking it quite wide. And the goalkeeper did well, to be fair, that he come out and narrowed the angle massively. But Cunha was a very, very composed finish. And it was a composed finish given the level of the game, a black country derby. Again, you know, and that was the exciting thing about the second half. We knew there was going to be kicking towards us as well. And and obviously, we was a goal up. Um, we also kept a clean sheet. And I think that's so important to do. So there's, there's so many positives and so much confidence to take from that game. And the fact that we didn't go gung-ho about it. There were some level cool heads on the pitch. You look at Craig Dawson, obviously. He's played in derbies before. He's an ex-West Brom player. He was he had a bit of intimidation or, or you know, Bart, Bartley tried to give him a bit of intimidation, but he controlled his well, controlled his emotions well. And I think it was a, a, a composed performance across the pitch, which, listen, I've seen these derbies get out of hand before and I've seen Wolves lose their heads and I've seen that affect then the performance on the pitch. But yesterday was a very professional, clinical performance. It wasn't a classic. You know, we, we we didn't look like world beaters by any stretch, but it was job done for me. With regards to the violence, Dave, um, you know, it, it is really unfortunate to see. Uh, but let's let's bear in mind these are these are isolated incidents, and equally, mm. it's not representative of the whole West Bromwich Albion or absolutely all fan base. right. There's, there's, there's idiots absolutely right fan base, but I know a, a load of great West Brom fans who don't condone violence. You know, we don't. Um, expect that sort of level of violence. It's not nice to see. Would I want to be taking my kids to a game like that? No, I wouldn't. Um, am I joining in with the banter and the rivalry after a few beers? Yes, I am. But it, it is a handful of idiots and they sort of spoil it for everyone. I think it would, that, to be fair, mate, I think, you know, it was a bit more than a handful. We'll come back to you in a second because Michael okay. Brown makes a very good point. Um, he said, Dave and Guess, what was the cause of troubles at WBA? Because I'm hearing conflicting stories with WBA blaming Wolves supporters and eagerly operate, uh, occupying the seats for WBA support, uh, West Brom supporters. Now, first off, um, it happens at a lot of grounds, you know, and there'll probably be Man United supporters that will be sitting in the home end of at Wolves because someone will sell their tickets. But this, the responsibility of this ultimately comes down to the West Brom fans, season ticket holders that sold the tickets for whatever, whatever, for money to Wolves fans. The Wolves fans that were in there shouldn't have been there. Let's face it. They shouldn't have been there. And if they were in there, they should have kept their, their mouths shut. Because if you go up, if you're in the away section at any ground, and you've got a, you know, I mean, I've watched some vlogs from the Al, some 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 really good Albion vlogs from Match Day, who basically the Al, Albion fans talking about this. And there's another guy who's done a vlog, and he's like talking about how a Wolves fans in the away end. And he, this guy, is even isn't even a Wolves or an Albion fan. He's just a guy that goes to games and went to the went to the games. Like, well, how did you get a ticket? So, you know. They've cheered. They've, there's one guy particularly from thingy that's cheered, that's gone up, and he's he shouldn't have done it. He should have kept his mouth shut. He's got carried away, whatever. But then you've got Albion fans that are running from every single stand in the ground over to get involved with it. So it wasn't it wasn't a handful. It was tens, twenty, thirty, but. The vast majority of West Brom yeah. fans are fantastic people. That you know, the other half of my family 
are, you know, West Brom fans, season ticket holders. My, my niece, Megan, was traumatised by what happened. You know, she's a lovely girl. Um, she's special needs as well. And she goes to the game and she enjoys the game. My, my, my nephew, Harry, was there. And it's just so sad for me that those, you know, the the, the vast majority of the West Brom fans have enjoyed the banter, enjoyed the rivalry, are probably as horrified with what happened and really, really ashamed of the people yeah. that well, run I on the remember pitch. his days. What happens on the pitch dictates everything that goes off it, right? So this, this is a nil-nil draw. That level of violence isn't happening. The fact that we 2 nil up in their ground, that's obviously the catalyst to it. I'm not making excuses. I'm not excusing any Wolves fans' behaviour being in their stands, and I'm not excusing any West Brom fans' behaviour. But there's not 30,000 people getting involved. But... I think, you know, I do think it's been taken out of proportion. Then you hear all these stories that Wolves fans spat at this and did that. And listen, it's abhorrent. You've seen bottles flow over, you've seen coins flow over. What is that coin? It's a little kid. It's ridiculous. And what I will say is, and this is the God's honest truth, that I didn't see. Listen, we was all giving it the West Brom fans. Of course we was. There was banter. I didn't see anything being thrown by any Wolves no. fans. I didn't no. see any Wolves trying to crouch on the pitch. I didn't see any Wolves fans lashing out at people, and that is the honest truth. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that as a Wolves fan, but equally, there's, you know, there's, there's a lot of West Brom fans who did not go there for that, and it's a shame that the, their club gets tarnished for a few absolute mindless idiots who a either can't control their alcohol or b are absolute sore losers. But when they're throwing bottles at Tommy Doyle, he's a young lad, whether he's a young lad or not, it's just completely unacceptable, right? Because you know, there could be anything in them bottles. It could have been a glass bottle. Look what happened to Grealish in the, the, the Villa Birmingham derby that once when that player got on, uh, that fan got on the pitch. Could have been a knife. Anything like that could have happened. So you've got to look at the security aspects of it as well, Dave. You Absolutely. Know, was it managed properly? Was it underestimated? Um, but equally, if there's, 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 you know, these Wolves fans are getting there. I mean, look, these West Brom were, were clutching at straws in the end, and it was every fan, oh, you know, bring your mates along. Then it was like, oh, bring two of your mates along. So they didn't know who there was letting in that stadium in the end. Even so, what we saw was just abhorrent, and you can't condone it in any way, shape, or form. And to be fair, Jack, I'm going to come to you next. <clears throat> Anyone that, you know, they've got CCTV cameras everywhere, they will know, be able to do facial recognition. I mean, there's been six arrests and there's four four Albion. I think there's a couple of Wolves fans that have got arrested as well. You know, you know, times have changed with football now. There's lots of youngsters that go, you know, my dad's 86. He didn't go to that one. You know, my niece who loves going to watch the Albion is traumatised about it. And I hope she goes back, you know, because, you know, they, they, it should be intimidating, but he can't cross the line. And, I, you know, the only way to stop it is that anyone that was caused any form of trouble, attacked a police officer, and you saw that, should be getting banned by their clubs. And that goes for any Wolves fan as well, particularly, that was in there that was, you know, giving it the large because they've incited it and they shouldn't have been in there. And also the Albion season ticket holders that have sold them the tickets, I hope they can trace that because it's so sad. I mean, Jack, you know, you're on the, the fans' advisory board at Wolves. I'm sure it's something that... <clears throat> will come up and, you know, it's something that every club can learn off. I mean, what's your takeaway? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 don't, I don't like to see it. And I was talking to, to a friend at work and she's an Albion and she's kind of at that end and she had a nine-year-old daughter 
and she was really upset by it. And she's kind of said to her mom today, I don't really want to go to the football again. And that's really sad. Albion or Wolves or whoever you support, you know, we should, football is for everyone, isn't it? You know, and everyone should be able to go to the game of football, cheer for their team, enjoy it and go home at the end and feel like you've had a nice day out. It shouldn't You shouldn't feel like you don't want to go again. So that, that's got to be stopped. I think the way it was policed and stewarded, I think there'll be questions being asked internally by those people and particularly I think the way that, that the Wolves fans were treated in comparison to the home fans you know there was no alcohol in the away end there was in the home end the way is that were, right yeah the way that yeah, they organised with, with the travel so any coaches had to go from Molyneux with the police so it was almost like the police expected if there was going to be trouble there it was were more the down Wolves our fans. Yeah, yeah it was the Wolves fans that were going to cause the trouble whereas actually it kind of wasn't was it it was it was in the home end where, where it sort of with two up. areas as well wasn't it yeah I think I think the other sort of point to make is that you know I've had in the North Bank where I am I've had Liverpool Man United fans and you can sit you know that they are you clock them and you keep your eye on them if you think actually this is they're, they're not safe or it, you just let the steward the stewards and the police it's their job to get those people out and whatever yeah. it's not the West Brom fans' job to give these people a good hiding or to throw them down the stairs whatever it is that's not their job there's police and stewards that are there. If there's a Wolves fan in your end and you're not happy about it, you let the stewards and police know and they'll do it. That's what they're, that's what they're there for. And I think if you watch the video back, there is, there's already police and stewards trying to get this Wolves fan out. And then some Albion fan comes from behind and kicks him in the, in the sort of the neck and the back, the back. And that's where it all sort of kicks off from. So I think, you know, there's lessons to be learned for everyone. And certainly in terms of like the fan advice board, like you say, I think, going forward i think we've got to kind of look at particularly with the black country derby and, and things like that how we sort of make sure that everyone feels comfortable and feels safe because there were people there yesterday that didn't feel comfortable and didn't feel safe and that's just not on absolutely and like going back to jason it, it was it and i think i've spoken to a couple of albion fans and they did and they have actually said it's a credit to the wolves fans in the smethic end um and I also have spoke, had a message off one of the stewards um, as well, who basically uh, sent me um, a, a bit of a message, which I'll read to you, um, but won't say who it is. Um, basically, he said, I saw a few people before the match willing to pay 300 quid for a ticket. Lots of families are divided. Um, no, 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 that's not the thing. The, the report, where is it you said? He said, uh, right, the reporting was a bit overblown amidst all what was going on in one corner. There was a Wolves fan amongst Albion fans that decided to celebrate. This is from a steward, okay? So this, mm -hmm. I won't say who it is, but they've messaged me. Um, one, there, was an, there was a Wolves fan among Albion fans that decided to celebrate when Wolves scored the second and was duly treated. In the opposition corner, there were Albion fans generally angry about being 2-0 down to the Dingles. Earlier, they've been throwing bottles. In fact, hitting a ball boy. This is where I've got the uh, thing, and that's been from multiple sort. Hitting a ball boy at one point who needed treatment. At various points around the Hawthorns, there is open access to the field, which was an open invitation for some to charge and get stuck in. Where I was standing in the corner uh, between the Wolves and Albion fans, we had plenty of police, lots of shouting, abuse and threats, but no actual violence. Where most of the aggro was happening was because of the open access. Some Albion fans from the Birmingham Road stand ran across the corner of the pitch, opportunity to join in and grab a few seconds of fame. Um, so that's from a, a steward. Um, but like again, I will reiterate that we, you know, 
as aside from the rivalry, um, the vast majority of Albion fans did stay in the stands. We were singing, let's all have a disco. And the Wolves fans in the Smedican, they were saying that it had the Wolves fans retaliated and yeah. gone onto the pitch, it would have been carnage, but they stayed in the stands. Yeah. Chelsea, you had the unique uh, perspective of watching it on the TV. Um, what was your take on all of it? When it happened, obviously, the Cunha goal went in and shortly after, all the game stopped. We didn't really know what was happening and then the cameras switched to that corner and we started to see things happening. Um, to be perfectly honest, there wasn't really much communication for the first about five minutes or so. We saw um, what I believe was the Warsaw being escorted out with some minority of West Brom fans kind of giving, giving him some back. But... Truly, as you're watching it, I feel like the media, they were overarching it too much because we don't condemn violence of any kind, but majority of the West Brom fans and the Wolves fans were behaved and behaved the way they should have done. And it's a small minority of people who make that mistake. And as you said before, the CCTV is there and they will get caught and they should be banned for what they've done. And to hear that that young lady went to the game and she feels like she doesn't want to go again. As much as we want to say it's a game of passion, it's also a place for families to go and you want your new generation of West Brom and West Brom Wolves fans. And you need to create it a safe place to be, especially because it was the family stand. Seeing the West Brom players grabbing children was not a nice sight to see. You could see the worry on the West Brom fans and it shouldn't be happening. You can have passion and rivalry without violence and it should be as easy as that but sadly the emotions can get the better of people and as as we said all of you it's the minority who made the wrong decision that day but everyone else made the right one and wolves when i was watching on tv you could see that they were having a bill of banter but they were respectful they didn't incite anything else and i think wolves should be really proud of how the fans reacted they did the right thing they didn't escalate it which they could have done so i feel like on the TV, they dealt with it as quickly as they could have, and it could have been a lot worse. So I feel like it was a bit blown out of proportion. Those small amounts of people need to be treated for what they've done. They know what they've done is wrong, and they need to be adults about it and take responsibility for it. But it doesn't represent the fan base, and it doesn't represent the rivalry. And the game deserves to be remembered for the great atmosphere that it was, and not for yeah. those silly things. Absolutely, and uh, extremely uh, well said. We will. Yeah, I, just to... make a, I just want to make a very quick point. Sorry. Um, years ago, I went in the West Prom end when I don't know if you remember Jamie Smith got sent off talking in the nineties. I think we lost two 0 I can't remember reading which details of the game, but couldn't get a ticket for love nor money in the Wolves end. There was loads of of uh, seats available in the West Brom. I think in the end they'd, they'd done pound the day or something. Or you... no, actually no, it wasn't pound the day. They got this was in the nineties. Bear in mind, it was a long time ago. Um, I managed to get a ticket because I worked with someone who was a West Bromwich Albion season to get hold of that seat and I managed to get a ticket. So anyway, I went in the West Brom end, but I kept my gob shut. To be honest, we had nothing to cheer about that night anyway, but I just kept my gob shut. Now, bear in mind, the, the one video I've seen of the Wolves fan in the West Brom end, the guy in the Whitestone Island top, um, he's uh, he, he, the, the playing the liquidator and he records himself and he's going, F off West Brom, the Wolves. And in... The, the Albion end. So I'm not condoning what happened to him, but if you're going to go in with that 
you know, moronic attitude. I'm not saying expect to get beat up, expect to get punched, expect any violence, but you've, you've, you know, he's got a brain cell in his head, hasn't he? He, he knew what he was potentially walking into by just behaving that way. But once again, full credit to the Wolves fans who didn't retaliate because that could have been really, really nasty. Absolutely. I, I mean, you know, you, you hit the nail on the uh, on the head in uh, in respect to that. And um, we will talk a little bit more about this in the uh, the second half and get some more stuff on it. But like, sat, gl gladly, uh, I don't think anyone was seriously injured. Um, I watched the report on Midlands today, and it talked to one of the, the the chief police officer who basically said someone's made the point. How is there only four arrests? I think there'll be a lot more arrests coming once they've gone through the CCTV. Um, those are the only ones that they got on the day, but of course they've got all the the CCTV. So they'll get back that. But he, the, the police officer said that the people that he arrested were all completely intoxicated at that time of day, and it's like if you're completely out your head. By quarter to twelve, goodness me! Anyway, let's go on to uh, Jason. Yeah, let's go. bombs at ten to nine yesterday morning, Dave. <laughs> I mean, it didn't matter. They could have kicked that game off. So the police, in their wisdom, decided, or whoever made this decision, to kick it off at quarter to twelve. They could have kicked it off, Dave, at six in the morning. People were still going into that game tanked up. So whether it be quarter to twelve, three o'clock, four o'clock, six o'clock, whatever time that was kicking off. People were going to be getting hammered anyway. I had my first Jaeger bomb at 10 to 9 yesterday morning and I felt really ill this morning. Sorry, Dave, carry on. You do you do carry your drink quite well. You just get merry. I'm a big people. unit. You just get merry and hug people. You do. Right, Jason, a performance yep. rating, uh, yep. man of the match, highlight of the day. Yep. Okay, so uh, man of the match for me, I'm going to give to Tommy Doyle. Just thought it was impeccable throughout thought his range of passing, I thought his maturity, yeah, you know, he got involved in the bands with fans, but I just thought he was such a level-headed player uh, and, and, and you know, mature beyond his years yesterday. Great, great performance. And bearing in mind, if you look at our midfield, you know, is he really a nailed-on starter? No, he isn't. But like Doctor yesterday, you know, he, when he does get picked, we know we can rely on him now. And, he, and he's giving Gary O'Neill a bit of a selection headache, which is a good oh, thing. Big time, big time. You know, I he, he really, him. really is. He, he's not a big part player. He, he, he hasn't come here to make up the numbers. He hasn't come here to be a squad player. He's come here to play in the first team. And believe me, you know, he, he's more than worthy of it. So it's given Gary O'Neill a bit of a selection headache. So that's, uh, that's my man of the match. Um, performance rating, we've beat West Brom on their pitch in a derby. So he's 10 out of 10. Yeah, regardless of whether we're in 1-0, 4-0, 3-0, 5-0, 10 out of 10 for me. Moment of the day. Um, was that they finally found a guy who is under the boiler outfit. And it was that long-haired Jimmy Savile lookalike wearing Joseph with a Technicolor dream coat that he's bought for off Timu. Um, we finally uncovered the boiler man. So that was my moment I of the day. I saw your I mean, post. What was that woman doing coming on trying to nutmeg the steward? I mean, <laughs> the listen. funny thing about that woman when she came on, she was so out yeah. of her head, paralytic. The steward yeah. was literally just holding her like that. There's no effort. He was just literally holding her. Yeah, like, but, but Dave, Dave oh. I don't know if you've heard the lady. She signed a three year contract for West Brom today. <laughs> so, you know what? <laughs> he, 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 he has wins, Rodney. 
Wait, I, I saw one post as well. You know the the Jimmy Savile chappy that came on. Yeah. Someone tweeted, and it what it did make me laugh. It said, uh, "West Brom, West Brom new owner unveils himself to the fans on the pitch." <laughs> and I yeah. thought, I mean, that's just so funny. Yeah, look, if we wanted to uh, put a caricature picture of a West Brom fan that we'd want to go on the pitch and make national headlines, it would have been that man. So the fact that he went and done it for us. Freddie Boswell out of bread was absolutely brilliant. So at least we, at least we know he's under the boiler mass now. So that was my moment of the day. And I tell you what, guys, if you've not watched it, um, I have got a little short on my on the on the channel of him being arrested <clears> and being <throat> but also on the vlog, I've got the picture of him coming up to the Wolves fans with his Albion scarf. But he's also pictured on some socials on Twitter, kicking off in the ground. So how did he get from there? To the middle of the, to the centre circle. And he was literally on his own. There's no one around. Well, it was a bit like Pedro Neto. He went unchallenged for about 50 yards before anybody got near him. So I don't I know. know if it's the West Brom, West Brom coach that, uh, that are training the stewards as well. Oh, honestly, I don't know. But, it, you know, I, I guess he'll be, he won't be getting, going to the Albion anytime soon unless he is the owner, in which case he might be able to get out of it. Uh, Jack, to you, same question. Performance <coughs> rating, man of the match, and uh, your highlight of the day. Yeah, I mean, I totally get what Jason's saying about the 10 out of 10. I think if you were going to rate the footballing performance, you'd probably say seven and a half. It was as good as it needed to be. We didn't have to play particularly well yesterday to win. We did exactly what we needed to. Kept enough in the tank for Man United and Chelsea coming up. Um, so, yeah, it was a really solid professional performance. But like Jason says, I think going to there and winning. You can't give it less than a 10, can you? Uh, man of the match, I was thinking of Tommy Dull, but I'm going to go Max Kilman because we had a conversation three, four months ago. I think, Jason, you were involved as well. And we talked about whether Kilman's captain material. Is he too quiet? Is yeah. he? Yesterday, he was a leader on that pitch and he absolutely led that team superbly. It was a big occasion, big atmosphere. And he stepped up and went, don't worry, lads. I'm, we're all right with me. I've got this. And that block he made on, on Jed Wallace. Oh, it, it echoed around. Right in line around with it because he was, he, he kind yeah. of was going through and he was leathering that. And then Kilman yeah. came out of nowhere. You could hear it go boof as he blocked. It was a yeah. brilliant block. Yeah. Brilliant. It could have been a goal saving block as well. Yeah. And, and so that's, he's my man of the match. And moment of the day, I think the Neto goal because it completely sort of, Gave everyone that ease, and we just thought, you know what, we've got this now. We, that, that we've we've weathered that little bit of a storm, and now we're going to take control. And also, it's the the goal that Neto has been threatening to score for for, for all season, hasn't he? He nearly did it at Brighton, didn't he, on Monday night? But obviously, picked his moment, didn't he, at, at the arch rivals, you know, to go and find that bottom corner. So yeah, that was the moment he, of the day. He did the uh, the thing. I think the oh, last yeah, time yeah. they beat us, I don't know who it was. One of their players was doing that. He obviously had researched it because he did it back. Yeah. And he was just, I just, one thing that I do love about the, the players, just, you know, is how proud they seem to be to wear the shirt with the badge. And, yeah. you know, that's really coming across with this group. Pedro was there and he's like that. You've got Kuna that's going with the badge. Tommy Doyle, who's not long joined. They seem to really be buying in as a team to the club and they seem to be really proud to wear the shirt. And that's, as a fan, that's all you can ever ask. Win, lose, or draw. You want them to, you know, to fight and play and battle and never give in on the pitch and not be intimidated. And that's something that 
you know I'm very proud of. And and I think and I think as well, I think a lot of people, including some of our own fans, had completely written us off this season. Relegation fodder, sold all their players, got no money, who's O'Neill, all this kind of stuff. And we were having conversations. But I think the players have kind of stepped up and gone, you know what, forget all that noise around the side. We've got some good players in our group and we've got a coach that believes in us and wants us to do well. And we know what this badge means to those supporters that are in that away in there. We're going to give absolutely everything that we can. And we know that when we do that, that we're good enough to win these kind of games. You could see yesterday that there was so much belief in those players that they could win that game. Sometimes we go to the Hawthorns with good teams and and. But you just, it's the occasion and it's the history. It kind of gets to the players and they kind of, do we really think we can win here? Yesterday, those players said, of course we can. Of course we can. And they went and did it. Absolutely, mate. Very, very well said. And Chelsea, finally to you, um, your performance rating, man of the match and highlight of the day for you. could be anything, could be eating the curry or whatever it is, doesn't matter. (laughs) Okay, so... For um, racing, I completely agree with the, with the boys. Um, actual quality of the game by Wolves, it's going to be a seven or an eight. But sometimes it's not how you win, it's getting the results. And how they played the occasion and controlled the atmosphere as a team, they deserve a 10 out of 10. It could have been a very tricky game for Wolves. This was a game that Wolves had everything to lose and West Brunner had everything to gain just by playing well. And Wolves played the occasion brilliantly. And to have waited, especially for me, because I'm still quite young, to it to be in probably my second game I think I've ever seen of, of an actual derby between them. It was amazing to watch and definitely a 10 out of 10. Um, for my Mad in the Match, a bit biased, but I was really impressed with Cunha. I think even from on Monday all the way to today, he... The way in which he leads that front line for me as a player, whenever he gets the ball, I I can rely on him to create something or I know he's he's going to do something with the ball. And how he took that goal, I was really impressed with how he placed it in the net and also his reaction afterwards. Before they came out, they showed um, the boys in the tunnel. You can see Cunha kind of smiling and joking around, looking at the pictures of the West Brom fans and like how they were dressed and you could see that he was not to face the occasion. He was looking forward to it. And I think he carried himself very well. Um, for my um, moment of the day, it has to be seeing you on TV with the Sainsbury's bag. It was just brilliant. And I literally, because it was live on you TV. I couldn't rewind it back. And I was like, I need to save this picture. But it was absolutely brilliant. Because... I have a really lovely close friend who used to come to the pub that I used to work at, and I used to call him Mr. Tesco Bag. And just seeing that Sainsbury's bag just chickled me up. I'll tell terrible. you what, that's the thing. Well, that's banter for you. And I've had some, I'll put it out on Twitter, I've had some all sorts of bloody nasty stuff off some of the West Brom fans. It, it's, it's rattled them. Jason's rattled them a couple of times. All it is. All it is is banter. And, you know, we had, you know, the, the, the pie and the pint and the Tesco carrier bags. And some of the West Brom fans have come on. I don't understand. Why have you got a test? Why have you got a Sainsbury's bag? We've never called you a Sainsbury's bag. And it's like, how do you not get what it is? It's just a laugh and a banter because of the Tesco carrier bags you left. So we bought some Sainsbury's bags and quite a few Wolves fans did. And I was like second row. So the telly must have caught me and just put me on the thing. But it, it's just banter and, and that's where you go with it. <coughs> banter, get them on strings a little bit, but you don't go any further than that. You know, what, what's happened? But like 
some of them just don't get it. But like, I can't believe I got caught on the TV. So that's made me chuckle. Thanks, Chelsea. Um, finally, score prediction from all of you. Quick score prediction for Man United on Thursday night under the lights at Molyneux. Jason, you go first. 1-0 Wolves. Jack? 2-0 Wolves. And Chelsea? 1-0 Wolves. So that's a full house of clean sheets as well. Uh, Jason, have you got any fundraising coming up uh, this year planned? Oof, got loads, Dave. Uh, so Neil Razor Ruddock, he's having a Wolves tattoo on February the 23rd, is it? 20, 22nd or 23rd. So he's having a Wolves tattoo. He's, he's promised me I'll have it done. And we put that appeal out uh, on social media. And in 48 hours, Dave, it raised uh, over £8,000. This so is for the garden, right. isn't it? The yeah, for the new cross garden appeal, we've got to raise £25,000. We've done 8000 in 48 hours. And it's all right, maybe, in the figurehead and getting the credit for it. it, it the, the, the credit needs to go out to the people that kindly donated. Manny knows exactly how the fundraising works, but it never, ever ceases to amaze me. And, you know, it was trickling in at first, you know, five or tenner, and I'm humbled by anyone that puts a pound. And then there was hundreds coming in at 50s, but it's not the amount, it's the fact that people are doing it, the people are sharing it, people are retweeting it. And like I said, it raised over £8,000 in 48 hours, which is my What's blame. Your target, What's your target, £25,000, I'm sure we'll do it. I've been in talks with Wolves. They might be doing a lot of something to help the hospital, um, which is going to be absolutely amazing. Um, and we've got a Valentine's, a charity Valentine's disco on the uh, 15th of February at Purton Park, the Bunker Sports Bar, Purton Park Golf Club. It's a tenor entry or free for kids, just a charity Valentine's disco. We've already sold about 40, 50 tickets, so the room only holds 80. So if you want to come and have a fun night, be a nice little disco, nice, cheap, nice, uh, the more the merrier. A few ex-Wolves players there as well. So that's on the 15th of February. Fantastic. And Jason, um, we'll have to make sure that we do something around this tattoo. Are you and Razor having it done together or is he doing it down where he is? Well, no, he's coming to have it done at New Ink in Technol. So he's having, because he loves the song, oh, yo, Wolverhampton, he loves that. So he's having a wolf's head in hi-ho um, on his arm and he's already got a Millwall tattoo in his arm. And I hear that Liverpool. you're having a Millwall tattoo. Well, this is the thing. So he's got a Spurs tattoo because he played for Spurs, the Liverpool tattoo because he played for Liverpool. So now he's having a Wolves tattoo because he supports Wolves now. But if he gets the £10,000, I'm having a Millwall tattoo. And we are going to get to £10,000. So I've booked in. So no, you're having a Millwall tattoo. We'll have to do a little bit of coverage on that, mate. Get a bit of video and maybe I'll pop Absolutely. down. And, uh, do if anybody does want to donate, uh, I think it's my pin tweet uh, on my, my social media account. So listen, if you can, you can. If not, just please share it. And thank you for making a difference to the lives of others. Fantastic. I look forward to supporting your events as well later on in the year, mate. And no doubt you'll get to your target. And thanks. Good to have you back because I know you lost your voice for a while as well. And once yeah, again, yeah, we're... Completely lost it. My wife loved it. <laughs> and once again, we're really glad that Olivia's home, mate. And uh, that's, that's the best news of all. Uh, right, guys, thank you for the first half of the show. Thanks to Jack. Thanks to Chelsea. Thanks to Jason. Hopefully uh, all or some or one at least, will be staying along for the um, for the quiz at the end so we can have a mass quiz. That would be absolutely amazing. Until then, uh, ciao for now, and we're going to just bring on the second half of the show. So thanks, guys. Thank you. <clears throat> nice one. Thank you. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.